You're listening to audio from Gospel Collective Church. If you'd like to check out additional resources or learn more about us, please visit gcclex.com. Luke chapter 1, starting off with verse 26. In case you missed last week and a little bit of a tease for next week, uh, last week's text in this first chapter of Luke, Gabriel, the angel, the same angel, high-ranking angel that appeared in the book of Daniel, talking to Daniel, um, appears now to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who's going to be the parents of John the Baptist, the one who foretells and foreruns Jesus Christ. And as he appears to them and shares that there's going to be a miracle involved, that she was uh, barren, as the scripture said, struggling with infertility, uh, but she will uh, give birth to a, a son that is going to, going to again, announce and for, uh, foretell who is described here in today's text, Jesus Christ. Because in today's text, that same angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary, who is actually a cousin of Elizabeth from last week. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Joey is going to be covering the prayer and the beautiful song in Mary's heart and what she proclaims after hearing what she hears of what we are covering today. But today is the narrative, the story of the foretelling, the prophecy of the Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who is to come. Um, and what I love about this passage, he had been whispered and shadowed, shadowed throughout the Old Testament. Uh, it was known amongst God's people that there was going to be an upcoming Messiah King. Uh, but this is the very first time that Jesus' name is mentioned. Uh, think about that. Like who we say is so great that we want to make much of. Everything is about him. It's the gospel of Jesus that all the Bibles, and it, it, it all is fulfilled through what he does and his name. And that's what we used to cast out demons. Like that is the, who we pray in the name of, the mediator, the intercessor. Like everything that we make much of his name. Even John the Baptist, who's talked about in this narrative, like he says, may he be greater and I less. It is all in Jesus' name. And this is the very first mention of that name, although they anticipated that Messiah, Messiah, Savior. So read with me in this text, starting off with verse 26. God's word says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, talking about Gabriel the angel, and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So introduction to this interaction, this exchange here. First, verse 26, uh, first mention of Nazareth. Uh, what you may hear know of Nazareth today was completely different at this time when this was written, when this happened. Um, Nazareth, of course, is something, it's a city that is now significant to both Christians and Muslims, uh, not only because of what had happened here, but everything that has exchanged and happened in, in history. But at this time when this was written, it was a very simple town. Um, uh, home to less than probably 300 Jews or so, and they lived very simple lives as farmers and tradesmen in Galilee. Um, mostly just livestock farmers that would herd sheep, goats, cattle, chickens, donkeys, camels, mules. Um, very, again, simple town, simple living, not of what people make of it and what it is 
today. And so the introduction of again, this, uh, this city and uh, how Gabriel went there to the home of where Mary and Joseph is. Verse 27, um, there's a lot of talk right here about specifically coming to, as it says, a virgin twice. Virgin's name, Mary. Uh, that is important. You might ask, wonder, like, why? Uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But you see, this angel comes to what is mentioned twice, uh, a virgin um, who is engaged to a man who's coming from the house of David. Again, important. We know the Messiah King needs to come from the lineage of David. And then, of course, verse 28 and 29, uh, the angel uh, appearing to Mary came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And as we all would naturally maybe think, she'd be like, the Lord with you as well. But she's not Lutheran. Instead, she says, <laughs> she's greatly troubled in the saying. And she's trying to discern, it says, verse 29, what type of greeting, what type of interaction, what's going on here? And know this, this interaction, remember, happens before Joseph's interaction with the angel Gabriel. So, about five months before, Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, who came and tried the best through charades and explained to Elizabeth what was being said. Of course, it was fulfilled in the prophecy of John the Baptist being in womb through them and with them. Now, five months later, he is coming to Mary to share this. And then we don't know timetable here, but as we know from the book of Matthew, the angel's also going to go to Joseph. Uh, now, she wasn't mute. She would have went home and she probably shared some of these things to Joseph. And Joseph would probably like, I don't know how, what this is going to happen. It said in Matthew that he was a respectful man. And so he was going to try to break up the engagement like respectfully. Um, but the angel comes to him and says, no, what she said is true. And says himself, says himself what Mary heard, the importance of the son. And this is what she says to Mary. Or he says to Mary, which again, like I mentioned, is the very first mention of a name Jesus in the gospel narratives. These first four chapters in Luke, uh, it's going to uh, reveal the identity of Jesus Christ from what we're studying about the birth of Christ, the incarnation, uh, to the childhood, to even teenage years. The only kind of uh, scripture that we have out of all four gospels of like teenage years is actually in the book of Luke. And it's all going to form identity before he starts his ministry, his teachings, his miracles as the Savior. Um, so first mention of Jesus, verse 30. And the angel said to her after she was troubled, perplexed, trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and it will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Similar to what the angel said to Zechariah after he was in fear, after he was troubled with the angel appearing. And when she was perplexed and troubled, the angel says and starts off the same thing. Do not be afraid. Second time now saying, you have found favor with God. And then the angel says, verse 31, you will conceive, you will bear a son, and you will call his name, very first mention, Jesus. Everything that is packed 
with what we know and believe and to be true, what we cherish, what we love, and who we worship, who we give our lives to. Jesus, this name comes out. And then there's a lot here right after the angel announces you will be pregnant and you will call his name Jesus. And then verse 32, again, a lot here. He will be great. It's why in modern worship today, so much of our songs talk about how great God is and how great Jesus is. It's why when we went through the book of Hebrews, remember, so much of it was thematic on Jesus is greater than the angels, right? Jesus is greater than the prophets and the priests and the kings as he fulfills all of them as God, man, Savior, King, Jesus. Jesus will be greater. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Not just, remember, lineage at this time, how important it was for Jesus, the son of Joseph, who was the son of, and they go through all the lineage, right? When you announce the name, it wasn't just, hey, that's Tom Hill. It's like, this is Tom Hill, the son of blank, and the, the husband of blank, and all the families included. But Jesus is going to be the son of the Most High. That Lord God, angel Gabriel says, will give to him the throne of his father David. Again, this is the announcement to just at the time, Mary of, this is the one that we've been waiting, anticipating in Advent, the Messiah that they're expecting to fulfill the prophecies to, as he says right after, reign over the house of Jacob forever. This is the king. This is the Messiah king. Over 400 years, they haven't heard from the Lord. This is the Messiah king to come. And he will reign, coming from the lineage of David. That I don't know if she knew this at the time, but Joseph, as father, coming from the lineage of David, and then reigning and ruling as it concludes in verse 33, and his kingdom will have no end. And that's something that we know and see, and especially the Jews at the time could not expect and did not imagine like that rule and reign what they so powerfully thought was going to be earthly, but it was a spiritual reign where Gentiles will be included. And so the angel, again, is speaking, prophesying this to Mary. That Messiah King will be in womb to you. His kingdom will have no end. The Son of the Most High. His name will be Jesus. He will be great. And then verse 34, Mary's response back. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I first read that and I maybe wonder just like you, is this any different than Zechariah's response? Remember last week? I believe with all my heart, this response is completely different than Zechariah's response. Although at first reading, you may wonder if there's a difference. I believe there is. I don't believe this is that from last week. The angel specifically mentions and gives consequences for Zechariah's lack of belief earlier in this chapter. Last week, what we discussed in community groups, for his lack of trust in the Lord, doing what he was going to say. And remember, in Zechariah's situation, that although his wife Elizabeth was barren, it seems like Certain things were happening that need to happen in order for that child to be born with Zechariah, although it wasn't happening, which is why it was a miracle. She wasn't getting pregnant. 
But he wasn't asking like, well, how does this happen? He was asking like, I don't believe it's going to happen. Mary, on the other hand, I believe, is not questioning God's will. She's just asking, how is this possible? Like she said, because I am a virgin. It's more of a, well, uh, Gabriel, I don't exactly know how that's going to be done. I don't want to do anything wrong here. Like, you want us to get married tomorrow. Uh, I don't want to, like, sin. Like, just a little bit more clarification, right? And remember, up to this point, there's no, there's no such thing. There had never been a virgin birth, right? <laughs> up to this point, up to this point today, now, there's never been a virgin birth. There's one time it has ever happened. Although, as I've shared with you guys before, I did have a counseling situation where two teenagers, not of this church, but a previous church, did come to me and say, like, she's pregnant. I don't know how this happened. Okay, like, okay, sorry, not the virgin birth there. Okay, so it's the one time, only time that's happened. And it was important for it to happen this way. Why? It was needed because it was prophesied from the Lord. It was one of the over 70, 80 prophecies that was made. This is how and how you will know who that Messiah King is. It was given from the Lord to Ahaz in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What were we just saying? And so she's asking, how will this happen? Because I'm a virgin, I'm engaged. Like, just not to say that you won't and can't do it, but how do you want it? And this is what the angel says, verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the son of God, and behold, verse 36, your relative Elizabeth, again her cousin, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. I read the angel's answer back, verse 35, which again is the opposite of what the angel says, Gabriel says to Zechariah. He says, you know, this, you will be mute until your baby is born for your lack of belief. Although my word will be fulfilled, his word will be fulfilled no matter what. This time the angel does not give such consequences. I admit when I read verse 35, again, just going to confess, be open with you all. I admit my lack of faith here, even after I know what is true from last week. I'm not so sure if I was Mary, if that answer would be sufficient for me. Like the whole Holy Spirit overshadowing part. I mean, I'd be like, is this like a spiritual baby, Holy Ghost baby? Like, is it like physically, biologically? Give me a little bit more here, Gabriel. Okay. But that's not as we see Mary's response here. And then verse 36, I'm sure this was comforting in that answer. Here is a miracle. What's going to happen with Mary? But then also he shares, but just like I performed and gave a miracle to your cousin Elizabeth, although different scale, but we're not judging here, but there's a relationship there between Mary and Elizabeth. I'm sure Mary knew Elizabeth's struggles and the angel mentions again her being barren and at her age, but he says just like Elizabeth that you did not know, but she's pregnant with child as well. Um, just how amazing is that? This miracle, like you're going to have a miracle, and, and 
Elizabeth has this miracle, which I'm sure was pretty relieving probably for Mary and, and, and Joseph and all family involved. Because remember, Elizabeth went into hiding seclusion for five months to praise the Lord for what he was doing, what he was giving. But she's coming out of like five, six months of that seclusion, praying to the Lord. And she's five, six months down the road, like obviously pregnant. Like everybody's going to be like, hey, where have you? Oh, uh, uh, and it's that un- uncomfortable, should I ask, should I not ask? You, know, you look to the husband, it's like, is your wife pregnant? He's like, he can't talk. So you're like, he's not saying anything. I'm surely not asking, okay? But Mary, on the other hand, is like, I know, I know, the angel told me. And so he's telling her, comforting her, just like the miracle that I've given with Elizabeth, your cousin, I'm going to do what you think is impossible as well. And that's what it concludes in verse 37. For nothing, the angel says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Think about that for a moment. As the angel proclaims and comforts and reminds and encourages and exhorts Mary at this time. And I'm sure she needs it. And that is our same God. Church, know that. Believe that. For nothing will be impossible with God. We serve a God of the impossible. Several years back, we went through an Old Testament character sermon series entitled that. God of the impossible. As we went through different characters in the Old Testament and some miraculous impossible things that God did. Jesus later proves this when he starts his ministry and his teachings and miracles. And remember, as we will be studying and recorded in the book of Luke, Luke, who was a doctor, a physician, who values facts, science, truth, records supernatural, impossible, but made possible miracles done by this great Jesus. And of course, what we even know in this day and age, believing with all my heart, miracles still happen, and that God is the God of the impossible. And I can't but help to think of how what is impossible was made possible because of Jesus when it comes to his grace. Just even the opportunity and ability for each and every one of you to be able to have a relationship with God, knowing we were born with sin, and we also choose sin and that that sin is in the way from our relationship with the Lord. That its consequences, what we dread, what we hate when it comes to spiritual and both physical death. And that the God of the impossible made a way for us to have a relationship with him in spite of that sin. That we cannot earn righteousness or that relationship, that we do not deserve it, but through what this baby will bring. That Messiah King who, out of his great love for us, died on the cross for our sin, rose from the grave, defeating sin, Satan, and death, and offering as a gift to us what seems impossible but made possible, opportunity for us to respond, saying, I'm that sinner. Jesus, you are that Savior. Can't be good enough. Can't have connections with people. But just by the simple act of faith, repentance, turning from my sin, giving your life to Christ, having saving faith in him, what he did in the cross and accomplished in the resurrection, and believing that he is that savior. He makes a way 
for us to be reconciled and redeemed, forgiven and freed in a relationship eternally with God. He is the God of the impossible. And then verse 38, this, ah, this is probably my favorite verse here. I probably shouldn't say that. I have to say as the pastor, the first announcement of the name Jesus probably has to be my favorite. But this one right here is what I connect with, just even in my current state and season, my continual at times, lack of unbe- my lack of belief at times, my prideful and depraved heart. I love this next verse. Look at Mary's response to the angel. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Oh, what a difference in Mary's response in comparison to last week, teenage adult brat Zechariah. Where Zechariah says, well, I don't know, how, how is that going to happen? And Are you sure? And Mary's response is one of, first off, she says, behold. Remember, we've studied this a little bit as a church. I've mentioned it a couple times when it's been mentioned. That word behold, remember I told you guys I tried to make it happen again, kind of like fetch, happen again, okay? And I couldn't. Like, I'd say, like, one of my kids was playing, I think it was a football, and they were going out in the fo- on the football field. I'm like, behold, Liam's going out there. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, it's just not coming back, okay? But it's used all throughout the scriptures. And as I had shared with you guys, majority of time when angels came on the scene, and what they said was, this is a word of like, give me your attention. Pay attention right now. Look is about to happen or hear what I'm about to say. So when you get everybody's attention, you say, behold, and oh, we've got to say, we've got to listen to what that person's going to say, okay? And again, majority of the time, it's when angels come on the scene and you're going to listen to them. That's why I said every single time after, like great fear came upon them, like, oh, oh, you know, I'm in their presence and never this. This is Mary saying this to an angel. I, I don't know why. I just love that. She says to the angel, Behold, pay attention to what I'm about to say. I feel like that's kind of bold. Don't miss this. Listen to what I'm about to say. And then what does she say? I am a servant of the Lord. The first thing she confesses, admits her heart's state is, I will do and say, I am in debt to the Lord. Dulos, I am a slave to whatever the Lord has, says his will over mine. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it happen, get this, according to your word. Remember, Mary wasn't privy to Zechariah and Gabriel, angel Gabriel's conversation five months or so before, where the angel says to Zechariah after he says, ah, how's this going to happen? What is this really going to happen? And he says, you're going to be mute until the, baby's, uh, until the baby comes. That is because of your lack of belief and God will fulfill his word. That's what the angel said at the end. He says, this will happen and consequence of because of your lack of trusting the Lord and his word will be fulfilled nonetheless. 
Mary, who had no clue of such conversation, says to the angel, let it happen according to your word. Oh, the faith that is displayed in Mary right here. I'm a servant of whatever you want or will. Oh, how that needs to be our heart. How that needs to be our words and actions. The importance of God using when we have that same spirit and mindset. Father, God, I just want to be a servant of you. Let whatever your will be done according to your word. I mean, is that not the same prayer Jesus had himself in the Garden of Gethsemane? Right before bearing our sins upon himself from the cross, what we will reflect and remember in the Lord's Supper here this morning and go into the Lord and say, if there's another way, will that happen? Can that happen? But if not, Father, your will over mine. Let it happen according to your word. And church, let me encourage you this is not your heart and mindset what can you what can I what can we do as a church to align more with Mary's response and faith I'm a servant of you Lord your way your will over mine let it happen according to your word and then we see in verse 39 now as the angel departs after she proclaims that it says verse 39 in those days, Mary arose and went with haste. This means she, I don't know if she sprint, ran. She went quickly into the hill country to a town in Judah to where ultimately Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Remember the angel, part of what he announced and said was not only this great, the Messiah king that you're going to be in womb with, miraculous virgin birth and pregnancy, but also just like I'm going to, the God of the impossible here, also, there's already a miracle with your cousin Elizabeth as she's pregnant. And so she's excited, maybe excited for Elizabeth, maybe excited to share with her what the angel had said. But she runs to her cousin Elizabeth, enters the house of Zechariah, greets Elizabeth. Another impossible miracle here. And then look at verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, which is another, again, impossible miracle. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know this not only because it's in God's word, but God's word, Luke puts this, make sure we understand this because of what Elizabeth first says to Mary. Before Mary can say a word, the baby inside Elizabeth leaps with joy at just being around the baby inside Mary. And look what Elizabeth says, filled with the Holy Spirit, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And look at verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now this Lord here is not like what wives called their husbands and everything else that time. This is my one true God, creator of everything, the mother. This is the Lord, his son in your womb. And this is her saying, 
that you're going to be the mom of that to come. Elizabeth knew, well, at least the Holy Spirit in her to prod her to proclaim that to Mary. And can you imagine, Mary, have you guys ever been in situations, seasons, where it's like, whether it's a whole bunch of trials or a whole bunch of good things, it just like stacks up on top of each other and you don't even know how to process the circumstances and the events. Mary just saw an angel, heard these such things, just responded in this way, quickly goes to Elizabeth. And they have a relationship. Again, they're cousins here of some sort. And the first thing Elizabeth says is, the mother, you're the mother of our Lord. How blessed are you? Like, I don't even know if she processed all these things, understood all these things fully. But by God's grace, we have recorded to be able to know, again, the birth of Jesus. It says, verse 44, for behold, what Elizabeth is still saying to Mary, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Uh, something really awesome about that verse right there. And the verse before, as I had mentioned, I believe that is a miracle because the baby, when recognizing this is Jesus, who later John the Baptist will literally say he is greater i need to become less this is the one you should be following not me but just in six months in womb again recognizing jesus leaping for joy and although i believe that's a miracle of sorts in that way the esv study bible had shared that the baby in that womb leaping for joy it helps give us a picture that an unborn child even at the six month of pregnancy it reminds us that they are a distinct person able to feel joy. Remember, even at six months, child and womb, they feel things. And this one miraculously knew Jesus is in her womb and jumped for joy. And then in conclusion, verse 45 for this morning, before we read Mary's response, her praise, her song, of what, after a little bit processing this, of what is to come. It says, verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary says this to, I'm sorry, Elizabeth says this to Mary. And as we do know and see, I'm sure she's processing all these things that are coming, happening all at the same time. But it does say she believed that there would be a fulfillment of what all was spoken to her from the Lord. This will be fulfilled. She's not pregnant yet. It's going to come, virgin. This baby's going to come and they're going to go through some hard trials we're going to read and study. And yet God is going to miraculously provide and have them endure to the point where this son grows up and is announced as the Messiah, Savior, King. And with that, to fulfill, as that word fulfill is here, to ultimately fulfill what he, what he was given, created in the very beginning, for and with, to do what we remember this morning in the Lord's Supper, to make a way for you and I to have a relationship with the one true God 
through what he does and what Jesus said we are to remember and a gift given to the church to reflect. His body being broken. His blood being shed so that we will receive the forgiveness of our sins for the New Testament, the New Covenant to be ushered in. That when Jesus even said this to the disciples, he used that same word fulfilled where he says that we do this and I've been anticipating doing this right now, but know as I partake in this with you, I will not partake in it again until it is fulfilled later when it comes to the banquet of the Lamb and Revelation, when I will be doing that with all of the church, all who've received me. Listen, church, just like Mary came to realize he's fulfilling what he promised, what he said right here today, God fulfills what he promises with us. Whether that's you receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, coming even here this morning, recognizing maybe you grew up in church, maybe this is all new to you, but you recognize God has promised something greater for my life. And I have not received, I have not lived, I have not accepted that because I've lived in sin and that sin has prevented me relationship with the one true God. And that maybe even this morning, today as we bow our heads, close our eyes, spend some time with the Lord in reflection for the Lord's Supper, Maybe that's you asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You saying, confessing, I know I'm a sinner, the God that loves me so much that he sent his son Jesus, who we're talking about, baby, now, but then later to come to do what we participate in the Lord's Supper, what we're to remember, his body that was broken for you on the cross, his blood that was shed, and all you have to do is admit, confess, and repent of your sin and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believing what he did on the cross and in the resurrection is for you to receive.